You are now, now, now tuned into Progressive Action Radio, the most objective show in America, hosted by Tramel Thompson, co-hosted by Jamel Wilson, and DJ Damage is on the wheels of steel. You will never know what to expect when thoughts and wisdom unite. People, get ready. ready, ready. Progressive Action is now live. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whenever you decide to listen. Welcome to Progressive Action Radio. What's going on, cuz? I'm, I'm chilling. What's going on, everybody? Good evening. Welcome back to Progressive Action. You know, it was, it was a um, crazy week. You know, somebody tried to torch a um, token booth on fire with somebody inside. Yeah, at Notion Avenue on the three train line. Yeah, you know, and people saying, you know, it was attempted robbery, you know, it's attempted robbery if he didn't like the gasoline and the, the rag on fire. Exactly. But that was attempted murder because what is he going to do with melted Metro cards and burnt money? Nothing. <laughs> can't do nothing with that, you right? Can't do nothing with that. Of course not. Now, the sad thing about it was um, the chair of that department didn't reach out to the station agent. The vice president gave a courtesy call and the president didn't do anything wow who is the um who happens to be the chair of that department uh bermudez joe bermudez yeah okay and uh echeverria is the vice president yeah he's the vp right and we all know who the president is right right so meanwhile the station agent went through something serious these guys are at the dominican day parade all smiles and giggles, and then at Bangladesh Day, all smiles and giggles, even though a temp of a station agent life was taken. But as soon as the media get involved, that's when these guys pop up out of nowhere. Meanwhile, I made the, first, I made the phone call to get the, the whole story to the news, period. And even if you look at the Daily News article, they used a generic booth. They used a generic booth, picture, picture of the booth. Oh, they weren't specific about which booth it was? It wasn't the booth. It wasn't the booth. I had the pictures of the booth oh, that, okay. I, that I put on progressiveaction.info. Okay. When I checked out their article, it was just a generic. Matter of fact, it say 57th Street. Wow. Or so some, something crazy like that. You know what I mean? So I said, damn, they couldn't even go down there to the, to the booth. But we all know how that story came about with the Daily News with um, Donahue. And his connections there, you know, Donahue is the uh, union's editor, right. chief editor, chief. journalist, or whatever they want to call him. Right. You know what I mean? So we already know what that came about. But they only did that to make it look like they care. You know, you know how they say too little, too late? Yeah, of course. Photo ops. Yeah, that's, that's all it's for. Meanwhile, the station agent, she went to the grand jury today. I don't think none of them was there. I know uh, Chisholm was there. Chisholm was there, right. She's the former elected... Uh Division chair, I believe. Yeah, yeah, division yeah. chair. She was there. But, you know, this goes on to show you that an attempt could be taken on your life and your union reps feel that it's more important to go to a parade and 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 uh, a picnic, as my boy Joe Campbell say. <laughs> Joe, Joe said they love picnics, man. Yeah, they love picnics. What's going on, Joe? And, of course, as Harry would say, the chicken in the ribs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we, we got, our, we got our, our faithful here. 
Joe Campbell. Oh yeah. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Nice to uh, nice to be here, Jamel. Jamel, thanks a lot for uh, inviting me back again. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all the members out there. Yeah, you know, Joe. They they, they get upset when Joe be on the show. I don't know what you do to these guys, Joe. I, I say it every time. They gonna be like, "Damn, Joe on here again." <laughs> and again and again and again and again and again and again. Right, because they're saying that we're not progressing by having the same people come back from time to time. You know, we're not progressing. Oh, okay. So, well, they, they, this is how they got to look at Clinton it. Clinton comes on the next show. I mean, what? You yeah. know, I mean, come on. No, this is this is how I look at it. You come in with information, and there's new information all the time. When you go to school, do they change teachers? No. <laughs> don't, don't your social studies teacher teach throughout the whole semester? <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's different information. Well, I mean, they know that I know what they're up to and what they do. So when I when I come on the show, it's going to be more information for the members, um, educate the members about you know their organization, the people that they're paying, mm-hmm. and the shenanigans that go on. That's why they get upset. They cringe every time they see us walk into a place that they're already and take this take their sunshine away from them. Yeah. You know. Well, of course they cringe because, like I said, according to these guys, you know, like the you and Roger basically. Uh, you know, we're basically puppets to you and Roger. So basically, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, so oh, that's yeah. why they cringe, you know? Yeah, yeah, I heard that one. Yeah, and it's crazy because my first time meeting Roger was when he came to the show. Right. <laughs> that was my first time ever meeting him. That was Roger. your first time ever meeting him, right? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, Roger is the, is the man behind progressive action along with Joe Campbell. Right. It just, it just goes to show you the paranoid, you know, and, and what they talk about amongst themselves in their little circle. Yeah, that's exactly. And they can't figure it out. They cannot figure it out. What you think about that, the, the recent token booth situation with the, the guy trying to kill the token booth clerk? You know, I've been saying this for a long time, and I, and I, and I keep repeating myself, and I'm not going to stop. Um, you know, we have that seven-year felony sticker all over the place, but it doesn't deter anything. Um, and even when they do catch the person who does it, that person doesn't do that time. I mean, this person might because he's a six-time loser, violent criminal. Um, so probably this person who did it that they caught will do some serious time. I mean, your DA can't be that, you know, incompetent. And the judges can't be that, you know, crazy to let him out. But um, th- th- this particular person, yes. But overall, when it happens, most of the people don't do any time. Or if they do, they do very little. Or it's a suspended sentence or a fine or something like that. Um, I've been saying it over and over again that they have to increase security. I want these violent acts to be prevented. I don't want them later on, okay, they caught the guy. Because I don't think that prevents anything. And you said something. It may have been you. I'm not sure. Um, the The police is there to protect everything but the workers yeah it seems that way it looks like the police is there more for um well of course i guess uh, customer safety but also for fair evasion that's really where you find them is where there's going to be the most fair evasion in the very um confusing crowded places where uh you know people are going to try to jump turnstiles and 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 run through when the train comes that's where you'll see the police 34th street grand central but you won't see them out in the outskirts very rarely you see him. Yeah, that's that's true. Right. That's a, now. You know, I just want to say, right, when it comes to like banks and stuff like that, you know, banks and those are type of establishments that have money and where you have people handling money. You know, they have a silent alarm, 
And they have So basically it, If they hit that sound alarm Law enforcement will be there Just like that But Do Station agents in the booth Have a silent alarm They have a button That they push that, that uh, For emergencies I, I don't know how fast It takes law enforcement To get there I mean does it call um, Console or somebody like that I mean first Or I mean I'm being facetious I guess but you know, I, yeah, I think it calls management. It doesn't call directly into the police department. Right. That so basically something like that should call. It should call nine one one directly. I believe that um, they should have like a life alert button. Yeah. Because these people do go use the bathroom. What if somebody approached them to a gun with a gun coming back from the bathroom? That's what Good you gonna do? Yeah. They need to have a life alert button that alerts police exactly to where they at and everything. Right. But with clerks, I believe station agents. Excuse me. Um, if they have to use the bathroom, they have to have somebody come and relieve them. Like, I, I believe even a cleaner can come and relieve them while they use the bathroom, right? I mean, it don't matter who relieve you. If somebody meeting you outside the booth with a gun, what you going to do? You got to comply. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's all guns is used for in robberies, to comply. Then when you use the gun, it becomes anywhere from assault to a murder. Mm-hmm. That's why my whole situation with the um, gasoline, if you threaten somebody... With gasoline and, and the lighter And you don't light it You just want them to comply To whatever you're trying to say But as soon as you light that Compliance is gone It's assault At the least Yep It's, it's assault at the least what, what the hell you gonna do With burnt money and Metro cards Right Joe you know anything about this um, Express script stuff That's going on The complaints I've heard I haven't experienced them um, my son just had surgery, and so far, so good. I haven't really had any problems with him, but I haven't gone through the mail order process yet, which I hear is, is what the problem is. The more, the more something is automated and, and less personal, the more problems you're going to have, and the less people are going to be there to help you. So uh, you probably have to talk to somebody who experienced this horror directly that didn't get their medication. That's what I'm hearing. You know, somebody needs medication, they're not getting it. Under the old company... You were allowed to get an override. So if something happened to your mail order, you can, member services or the, or the company would call up your pharmacy and say, yeah, give them a, you know, give them a batch until we can get it, get it to them in the mail, whatever, you know, however many that you needed until your mail order came in. With Express Scripts, I don't think we're getting overrides. And I'm hearing people with getting a medicine opened up already or something crazy like that. Un- unwrap. Unra- yeah. Somebody had posted that. I oh, did. No, it's under... Um, What's his name? Lloyd Archer. Lloyd Archer, yeah. And then some other lady was like, yo, I'm glad you said that because mine came unwrapped too. And like two other people said that. Wow. It's I don't supposed know to that's have about. like a safety pa- a sticker, right? Like a paper sticker over the top. Over the- so you could tell when somebody opened it. Is yeah. that what they're talking about? I think that's, yeah. what, that's what I'm assuming. Wow. And I guess a piece of cotton shoved in there <laughs> if it's pills, you know? A piece, you know, yeah. Yeah, something that's going to let you know that somebody's been in there. Yeah, wow. they say it's coming just regular. That's up to you know. That's up to us to push management to tell them to, to um, you know, do things the right way. Well, I think that probably was a mistake, giving management our um, control of that because what they go do that our our health we go always it's, that number go always go up. It's never going to decrease, and they go get us the cheapest possible because they paying for it. Well, they never <clears throat> they never really did that until Samuelson took over. Um, you know, when, when, when they're going into a new company, they're, they're pretty much doing it to save money. No, no new company is coming in there to lose money. The only way they could save money is to cut service. And then, you know, and we know that. Now, the members are the members going to know it until, you know, they're not going to know it until they start, you know, feeling the, the, the pinch. 
saying, oh, this thing isn't covered anymore. That service isn't covered anymore. This doctor doesn't take this anymore. Then this is happening. That's how our benefits are, are decreasing. Um, but, you know, as far as a health benefit trust goes, I wouldn't want a health benefit trust put in the hands of these guys down there. No, hell no. You know, no. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, like I said, no. Exactly. You know, we, we should be fighting for, 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 for the way it is, but to, to push it back the way GHI had it. GHI wasn't bad. And, then, and when, when these empire took over and then people started losing their, their service um, and they were complaining about it, I'm talking about like, you know, cancer treatments for children and things like that. As division chair, that's what people came to me to complain about. One gentleman, his daughter had cancer of the eye and they used to do an, uh, a test on her, to, like they treated it and they used to do a test on her that had to do with like ultralight or something like that. And then when the new company took over, they said, you're not covered for that. And then he said, well, the, the old company, you know, did it all the time. He said, well, they did it for you, but, you know, they didn't have to. But you see what I'm saying? This is something that, you know, GHI decided to do because it was, it was good for, for, for their customers, you know. Yeah. And this company is just like, you know, the hell with your kid and, 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 and your kid's eye cancer. We're, we're, you know, we're not going to give this treatment. And that's how they saved money, by cutting back on us. Yeah, exactly. $56 million from what... I heard when, when, when it first when it first took over it was gonna be fifty six million dollars a year that management was gonna save with the new company. Yeah. Wow. Now the um you know, somebody posted that um Samuelson is building a war chest. But he, but he's building a war chest without his members. Yeah, he's building a war chest without money. So I mean is that's his war chest? I think they're talking about PAC. So they're talking about, you know, firing off money to, to politicians and you know, that's a real simple way to say that. You know, it's not enough. We, we, by law, we're not, we can only give X amount. So we would do that anyway. This is, this is something that, you know, he tells a simple-minded person to go out there and tell the members that this is a good thing. But it always happens. Right. And he's a simple-minded person for coming out and saying it and not having his own mind and saying, wait a minute, what are you talking about? A war chest? You know, basically, you're not, try you're not trying to go to war. Right, it's not, what, what war chest is that? Exactly. The, the, this fake war he about to have with MTA. With MTA, right. When we, when we know that everything is damn near done already. Exactly, yep. everything's done, of course. Yeah, we know that. Samuelson is not going on strike. I would be very surprised if he do that. Very surprised. Samuelson is not going to jail for, his, for this membership. Exactly. Okay? <laughs> He's not going to jail. I'm going to repeat that again. He's not going to jail well, if for he, you. If he call a strike, you gonna go on strike? No. <laughs> I'm going to work. I'm going to get my truck and I'm going to go do my swing rooms. How about that? No, you know what, you, what it is, is you have to organize for that and you have to have everybody behind you. I mean, you're going to have a big mass membership meeting and 10,000, 15,000 people are going to be there and everyone's going to say yes when you take the strike vote. That's how you know that your strike is going to be successful. Some people might scab. But as long as the system doesn't work, you're on strike and, it's, and, and, and the strike's working. They're not going to do that for him. And I know it because, you know, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't get that kind of confidence from the membership. I'm not, I'm not going on strike either, especially if I don't know what the plan is. Right. <laughs> how you, how you going to expect me to follow you and none of your offices is letting us know what the plan is? We should know what the plan is from now. It's August. It's about to be September. When you go tell us in November... What the plan is, you go, you're supposed to be busy negotiating. You would see if there was a plan, there would be activity, um, even if they didn't want it out there to the, to the public that there's a plan. 
you would see activity that would suggest there's a plan. Anything. Um, even if it was just um, fact-finding when it comes to anything. Um, uh, transit worker health. You know, something to do with sick time or, uh, you know, building up anger over discipline. Stuff like that where when the time comes when you're, when you're, when you're going after something in a contract, that that subject matter, you know, now it makes sense. Oh, yeah, that's why we got mad about discipline. That's why we uh, protested to Broadway, the new house of pain. That's why we did that, because now we're going after uh, repressive discipline, things like that. But you don't see that. Mm-hmm. And that should have happened already. Mm-hmm. And the only action they had was that little meeting they had in Tarrytown, New York. The picture that I posted where they was falling asleep when Samuelson was talking. Oh, okay. Yeah. The whole Okay, in the hotel, in the, in the hotel room in Tarrytown. In yeah. Tarrytown, okay. yeah, in Facebooking. Yeah, Facebook. just 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 to sell, just to sell to the membership that they work in, because that's all it is. It's no different from the guy who get money that one time on check day, and he cashes check and he show a whole bunch of money like he's fucking balling or something like that. That's all. That's all they doing. They trying to play a mind game with the members to show that they doing something. But meanwhile, everybody in the picture is dead. And why did it have to be in Tarrytown? We all work in the same place. We all work here. Why take everybody somewhere else? Well, we have a union hall, and the union hall has those, those rooms that they can open up, and you can have everybody in there, not just 25 people. That way I counted in the room. 25? Like 20, <laughs> counted 25 heads. A couple, couple of heads were down Facebook, and maybe I missed them, but for the most part, <laughs> it was 25 people I counted in that room. <laughs> So, so you, but, but I didn't see a lot of people that should have been in that room. And, you know, we have section officers that are just as important, um, shop stewards that are just as important, that all need to be in meetings and, and, and talk about a contract uh, and, and get a, a decent presentation from somebody who knows what they're talking about. Wes. Yeah, the education director was in the room, right? Yeah, he was. He was yawning. He was yawning. He was yawning. He, he, he was bored. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he, he was yeah. bored. Uh, w- w- Earl Phillips wasn't there, which is, which is surprising. Right. I, I didn't see him. Oh, okay. I didn't see Crystal. I don't understand why you wouldn't have her there. It looked like he had everybody who he really trusted, that he, who he really messed with. It, was, it, was, it wasn't a great picture, so I didn't get to see a lot of the faces or recognize a lot of those blurry heads that were there. So I couldn't really tell. I, I saw some people up front. Some are retirees. Oh, yeah? They're not going to be involved in negotiations. Um, yeah, I saw two retirees. So it's like, you know, this is, this is just a show. In my opinion, it is. And I, and, I, and I hate to say that because it's my contract. I don't want a bad contract. But this is like annoying me that this is going on. Well, right. Don't, none of us want a bad contract, yeah. you know. But basically, it's like this is what, this, you know, this is what these people feel that they're supposed to do. They're supposed to uh, basically be chummy-chummy with the governor and hope and pray that they give us something great, you know. What 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 kind of what kind of raise you think Sammy Singo give us this year? Get us this year? I was just telling Jamel we 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 would have to look at the MTA budget and see what the MTA budgets for labor. If we're not going to force money out of them, then then we should be able to forecast ahead of time what's coming. Um, you either you're either at the table or you're begging underneath it. So <laughs> so if your master's got an X amount of food in his hand that he's budgeting that he's not going to eat and he's going to give it to you under the table, we should be able to see that from their budget. What you think this contract will be a three or five year? It'll be whatever management wants it to be. And it, it, let's just say if it's a three year, how much percentage raise you think we may get? I, it's that's hard. I can't tell you how much. I really can't. But I know that if he wanted, if if we wanted to catch back up 
to uh, our lost purchasing power, it would have to be a lot of money. Minimum 16% over three years. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not that I don't want more, but you're looking at just a minimum of 16% to get us back to the 6% that we lost over the five-year contract and then try to somehow over a three-year period keep us up with the cost of living. Yeah, i say a minimum of, of at least 20 at least 20% at, at the least because 16% I did. I do the math on sixteen percent. Yeah, you did over five years, and it wasn't any add up to anything really, right? It didn't add up like to a dollar eighty a year, something crazy something like, like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. You was. you were comparing to like uh, um, other titles that do the similar work that get paid more money. You were you were talking about maybe forty dollars an hour for crews and stuff like that. Is that? No, no, no. I, I did my current. So I actually did it if we was to get the the exact percentage raised like off off of 16 16% over 5 years what it was like 3 2 whatever whatever it was we decided but I did my exact salary at top pay and it it wasn't much we need to we, and for my my we make 30 what 3011 right yeah conductors top pay 3011 yeah. we need to be making at least $38 and nothing less than 25% it has to be higher than 25% for us, for us to even get close to that. It's but, not unheard of to get that kind of money, not like we don't deserve it. Who right. posted the article that somebody got 33%? What industry that was? Oh, that was the American Airlines. Yeah, that was the airline industry. I posted that. They now, got double-digit raises. Now, that's who we need to pad and bargain with. Right. Within other, transportation. Within transportation yeah. industry, exactly. Yeah. Not NYPD and corrections and all of them. No, right. who he said, oh, we pad and go, we pad and bargaining with, with court workers. Remember what he said in that that YouTube video I posted. Okay. Oh, the SCA, whatever they got this, and I looked it up. I said those, co- yeah. those court workers. Why are you talking about that? Yeah, clerical workers, yeah. motor vehicle. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, motor vehicle. <laughs> exactly. That's it. It makes no sense. With transportation, um, if transport, if the transportation industry start industry starts booming, we should be booming with it. And not sitting back and getting what everybody else is getting. That's that's ridiculous. Exactly, because you're talking about productivity. American Airlines, you know, they bring in their revenue. You know, those workers basically, you know, because people are paying for airline tickets all the time. You know, so um, they deserve a raise like that. Now, us, again, we're constantly bringing in revenue. Revenue is constantly coming in. So we deserve a raise, a 20 to 25% raise. I wonder who you know? make more money. What, what do MTA make more money than um, the airlines, American Airlines? I think they just blew us away in this deal. I mean, I was just no, looking at No, I'm talking about it. not the workers. I'm talking about as a company, who makes the most money? Who grows the most money? Who would you say? Well, American is the largest airline in the world. Yeah. Uh, without, I can't go off the top of my head. I don't know how much money they make, but they would have to make a lot of money to be the biggest airline in the world. Yeah. Do you think they get federal subsidies like M- like the MTA? No, nah, they're straight up business. They're straight up business. Okay, so basically that that answers that question. They get more money than the MTA. But they probably know how to balance their books better. Exactly. They have no choice. <laughs> if they don't get money from the feds, they have no choice but to balance their books properly. And if they don't, then somebody's fired. Okay? Mm-hmm. But basically the MTA, again, it's a machine. They get money from the feds, so they don't care. They throw away money. They blow money. They spend money frivolously on crazy shit. So that's what I mean. But you know, so because they know they're going to continue to get more money. Yeah. And they you don't know. even know how much money sometimes because they get they have revenue streams. Those revenue streams also depend on the economy, 
and for instance, your cable bill, your electrical bill, everything might say MTA something on it, um, your 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 cell phone bill, and they have their uh, advertising, their real estate, a lot of stuff besides the fare box, and then they'll come up with a surplus only when they feel like coming up with a surplus. How do you know you're not going to get, how do you know that, like, here you are, this is your budget, this is what we're going to have at the end of the year, then all of a sudden you have $1.9 billion more than you thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of money. That's to, a big fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's a big a, miscalculation. It's a fuck up on purpose. That's what that, that is. Especially, you know, when we're looking for a contract and all of a sudden they don't have any money, then when the contract's over, $1.9 billion surplus. It's ridiculous. Exactly. You know, so that's what I mean by say, and they never, right, you know, they never know um, on an annual basis how much money they're going to get from the feds. It's a different number. Well, there's federal money, which has a lot to do with capital programs, which, you know, do, do have a lot to do with us and, and how members get paid. But state money is what is supposed to drive the operating budget, that and the fare box. So they, they know that straight up. The MTA budget is coming out of the state. And Cuomo likes to squeeze the MTA. Right, he liked, basically, they like to dip into the MTA's money. Right, in other words, yeah, that, the MTA will be a piggy bank for the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what's going on with this, um, it pays, you know, something is floating around in these crew rooms. It pays to be a loser in a car maintenance division. What's going on with that? I don't, well, hey, basically, you know, you got people sent back to their tools uh, who's still getting paid from the union, you know? And they making money. Yeah. How much money are they making? I don't know. Joe, Joe probably can answer that. Yeah. That's his division. The word out there is that um, two of the people that went back to their tools that kept losing elections, election cycle after election cycle, are getting paid 10 hours above their 40 hours from the union to be back at their tools. Not to work for the union, just to be back at their tools. To continue getting paid that union money back at their tools. Now, how does something like that happen? Because that seems like that seems like hush money, if you ask me. Well, it, yeah, that, that it's exactly hush money. You know, uh, a bribe to shut up, keep quiet, and I'll keep paying you. Wow. So, what do they know? <laughs> <laughs> Not much if they kept losing elections, but um, oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> but Samuelson is famous. Samuelson is famous for bribing people um, to either get them out of my camp, um, keep them out of my camp, either promise them money or, or straight up give them a job, or now, of course, going the new direction of just paying people who aren't doing anything. Let me ask you this. I'm glad you brought that up. How the hell Quentin Montgomery get on that other side of the fence? Because I met him with you at Stillwell. I haven't spoken to Quentin yet. I don't, I don't, I, you know what? I would be very surprised if, um, if, 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 you know, he, he, he went that way. I, he, you know, he, he just might be, you know, wanting to work for the members. I haven't spoken to him yet, so I, I can't have an opinion on that. I mean, that's just. He's always been tight with me, so I can't. But if he's tight with you, he should have called you and let you know out of respect. He did run up under your slate to say, look, I'm going to work for the man over here. It's nothing personal, but I could help the members this way. I don't, maybe he just thought I'd know, I'd know that. <laughs> These guys is crazy. Yeah, they are crazy. Real crazy. Put the mic down towards your mouth. Say hello. Hello. 
Introduce her, cuz. You want to introduce oh, okay. her? Okay. I thought you wanted to introduce her, being that she's RTO. We have our uh, we have our next guest in the studio with us tonight. Her name is uh, Ramina Shaitan. She's a conductor from the B Division. Uh, and basically, she's here to also, you know, to t- talk with, with us, with Joe, and uh, basically, that's it. So yeah, That's Joe Campbell, by the way, if yes. you have. She she feisty, you know. She she um she liked to talk what's on her mind. Oh really? Yeah, you know, she had a it was rough year for her the beginning of the year dealing with the union. Oh, okay. Well this is the perfect platform and the perfect time <laughs> to be feisty and, talk, and say what you gotta say. So without further ado, introduce yourself and let everybody know who you are. My name is Shaitan Sinistera. I am a conductor in the B division. I've been with Transit almost three years, and my time at Transit has been an adventure, <laughs> I have to say. In what kind of way? Well, my first year was pretty good, you know, but that second year, I don't know what was going on, because you start to see things. And during my first year, you hear people talk about things in the crew room and stuff, and you listen. And I just listen to things and I file it away. Because somehow, in the future, it has a way of coming back. Then when that second year kicked in, you start hearing different things about what's going on with the union and, you know, things like that. And there's no real leadership and, you know, the discipline and different things like that. And I have experienced having to go down to two Broadway and it it's like when you go down there you have to be prepared to fight for your life because basically the first thing they want to do is give you days in the street off the top I've heard that people who have never been in trouble before go down there you're automatically written up for dismissal how did you get to that you know when you've never done anything before how do you automatically get to that point it's it's crazy what's happening as far as the discipline and all the crazy nonsense that's going on down there and if you don't know what you're doing if you don't take notes and if you don't read anything they're going to eat you alive down there exactly so how's your experience been with the union so far your interaction with them well you better get somebody that you get it, you better get a rep that you get in good with and have them on speed dial. Because if you don't, you'll be waiting forever for a rep to call you back when you need them. <laughs> it's sad. When you need help, because my thing is when I need help, I need help now. Not later, not the next day, I need it now. So when I call you and I leave you a message telling you what my situation is, I shouldn't have to sit back like, I hope they call me back, Jesus. I hope they call me back. And you, all you hear is crickets. You don't get anything. Wow. You know, again, I, I, th- I told Tramel this before that uh, that's the issue that I see with RTO is that be- being that the system is spread out and, mm-hmm. and the terminals are spread out, that um, it's not like buses where the union is on the property mm-hmm. or even car equipment where the union officers are on the property. You have to, you know, when you're out there on the trains or whatever, you have to fend for yourself. And but basically, it shouldn't be that way. But there should be shop stewards all over the place. I mean, I know, like I said, Tremel's a shop steward down there. So 
basically um but his home is mostly Stillwell so mm-hmm. basically uh, he you know, he's got that on lock but there should be you know stewards all over the, all over the system in all the crew rooms you know helping members out whenever they in time of need well let me ask you this we took shop steward class right how are we able to help any member out in need <laughs> don't laugh you answer, being facetious. <laughs> a- answer it <laughs> how, how, how are you prepared to help if you just took Nick Bedell class and we never learned anything from Joe Roger Staley Wills or whoever else may have taught us things how would you be able to help a member you wouldn't that's so sad. how many other people had I, have our experience to have these people we could call at any given time you know what I'm saying? Right. Other, other, other stewards. They don't have that. They don't have, yeah. The, that whole shop steward class is to look for people, to seek out people who they feel go be sheeps for them. They looking, out, they looking out for the future. What you think, Joe? Yeah, that, um, they, all they're trying to do is they're trying to build up an army for the next election to get a whole bunch of people together. And they're going to watch you in that class and they're going to find out who has an independent brain and who's a sheep. And then they're going to figure out, you know, okay, we got to push this guy aside. He thinks too much. These guys over here will listen to anything we say. And then when election time comes, we're going to hand them a whole bunch of petitions, go out and get us some signatures, tell people to vote for us. And that's basically what they're really doing with these shop steward classes. The, the, the shop steward class themselves, if they want to teach you how to help the members, they have to be division specific. I mean, there are, there are general provisions in a contract that are for everybody, but there are also divisional areas of the contract that are specifically for RTO, buses, so on and so forth. So you, you, your shop steward classes should be taught by those that have experience in your division and, and, and help you to navigate through that and, and who to contact and, and, and certainly to be uh, you know, there for anybody that, that needs them. So basically... It sound you know that sounds like a good idea. It should be okay. That's a that's a, you hell, have of a, idea. That's a hell of an idea because right you have the you have the main shop steward course to where it teaches all the provisions of the contract that's um covers everybody the whole membership as a whole. But then now after you after you graduate from that, then you have the departmental shop steward class. They should have a departmental shop steward class. Like buses should have their own car equipment should have their own. Uh, RTO should have yeah. their own, t- yeah. just so that just so that you know everything that covers those different departments. Yeah. You know that, in other words, it's more fine tuning. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, and those classes should be taught by other shop stewards in those departments. They should definitely be there to share their experiences and give confidence to those that want to step up and do the right thing. And maybe if somebody's working with somebody close by, they can you know take them under their wing. I taught car equipment for two years, the shop steward classes, put them together myself, organized them. Me and a couple of other, you know, uh, you know, officers and, and, and shop stewards and, 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 and guided people into, you know, how, how to be shop stewards and, and want to be shop stewards. Some of them became officers. Okay. How often is that class given? Uh, I think like every six weeks, every two six months weeks. or something like that. See, Nick Bedell, don't say that I don't give you a great idea. I, 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 um, Joe Campbell just gave you a great idea. The show... I know you're listening because I told you to listen tonight after attacking my messenger box. I hope you're listening. Take his ideas. Go make the membership better. Yeah, but you want, would you want to sign up for class? Yeah, because, you know, we need some more pit bulls in here. Just teach him. Make sure when you go to part one, ask him to teach you how to do a grievance. Okay. You'll have a step up on me because I never was taught that. <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> you might, he might tell you to come back for part two. Why can't you teach me now? If I'm here now, teach me now. Well, that's what I wanted to know. Okay. See, in, in Shop Steward, there's a lot of different subjects, and some of it has to do with division-specific mm-hmm. and discipline and grievances. But a lot of it has to do with organizing and, and basic unionism. And it's like the difference between just knowing the contract and knowing the rule book and knowing how to organize and motivate people um, is, is the difference between, you know, a social worker and an organizer. And this union is afraid to teach organizers because what you're doing is you're, 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 you're building the leadership of the future. So if you're, you're, if you're a leadership that just wants to rule by secession, it's my turn, it's my turn, or play king of the hill, then, um, you know, the union really doesn't go anywhere. You want to you wanna teach the leaders of the future. You don't know who they're going to be, the next president 10 years from now, whatever. But if you teach them right now, the organization is always going to be strong. If you just keep giving it to the next person, the next secession of people, the union gets weaker and weaker and weaker. More paranoid, more paranoid, and the circle of trust that they have amongst themselves gets smaller and smaller, and everybody else gets left outside that circle. And that's when everybody starts feeling bad about the organization, and people start feeling that they don't belong to something. Even though they're paying for it, and they want to be, they're left out. That's what we're experiencing right now. Very true. And is that, Very yeah, true. exactly. That's the point we are, we are at right now. Exactly, yeah. Because it, it's sad that, see, you know what they say? They say, oh, you, they, when, they, when they try to um, critique me, oh, you crazy, you this, you that, but people listening and people believing. If y'all was doing your job, people wouldn't believe me. You know what I'm saying? It, it's, it, what am I saying that's wrong? And if I'm saying something wrong, come up on the show. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It, well, you know, when you stir shit, it stinks. <laughs> so, you're st- <laughs> so that's what you're doing. Because you stir the pot and you're making people start to let things swirl around. Because before, it seems like everybody has been a robot, so to speak. You do as you're told, and that's what it is, and you just go ahead. You go along to get along. Exactly. But times have changed. You have to do something else. And I read a lot of the posts that go on progressive action and everything. And I just want to know why that because... You choose to think outside the box. Why are we suddenly disgruntled and we're whiners and we're this and we're that? Why do we not have the right to ask for more? Why do we not have the right to want more? Why do we not have the right to fight for what we believe in? That's what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and first of um to piggyback off of what you said, it's like, me personally, I just don't choose to have tunnel vision. Right. Okay. Right. You know, and that, and that's what a lot of these people have. They up Samuelson's ass mm-hmm. just to stay elected. Okay. And they're so stupid. It's like, okay, listen, Samuelson is just using y'all to stay elected and get votes to these different departments, votes that he know that he can't get. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And you know, basically, I t- just like I told Tramel back before we started this, I said you can't stay locked into the contract and the bylaws. Because, number one, the contract, and as we're discovering day by day, is not the end all. Because, again, the contract doesn't supersede law. Right. 
when it comes to Department of Labor, when it comes to you know labor laws and stuff like that. So that's what I mean. Vince said, you know, you can, and and even transit rules mm-hmm. because my biggest pet peeve is, is the rule with um, protecting yourself against the customers right. when you're on the bus and you're on the train. Now my thing is, if a customer want to be stupid and come up to you while you're at your place of business because that's your office, right? Even though they paid a fare. They came, they came to your space, personal space. So you have the constitutional right to bust their ass if they want to get stupid and come at you if you could bust their ass. Exactly. Now, now, of course, don't go run off the train or the bus to go do that. Right. Don't do that. Right. But, on, but if they're in your space, you have the right to defend yourself. Yeah, you could de- you, the thing is this. You could defend yourself, but you can't beat to a pulp. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's a big difference. You could fend off somebody. But if you knock them out and you continue to well on them like this MMA, then that's when the charges come. <laughs> For real. That's, exactly. That, that's when the charges go come. But there's no way possible that you don't defend yourself. You spit on a cop, you go get shot. I don't care what the situation is. Exactly. And they're going to get off. Yeah. Right. But you spit on a transit worker, you expect us to keep our calm and our cool and nothing happened. Right. Because, like I said, go to go down the two Broadway and spit on Pendergrass or, some, yeah. or, or somebody. What they should say is this. Look, all right, you could go out there and you could go kick their ass, but if you get hurt, workers' comp ain't going to cover for you. You're <laughs> right. on your own after You're on that. your own, <laughs> right. <laughs> say that. But don't, you know, but don't tell everybody they're not going to have a job or they're going to be fighting for their job. after you know, that's, How long that's has it been like that? It's been like ever since I've been on the job. For a long time? For a long time. 16 years for a long time. You know? Oh, that's horrible. But that's you horrible, know, yeah. And let me, t- let me tell you something else. My, 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 um, I, how, how, how can I describe him? I don't want to say his name. But my, my, my boy that I'm working with, you know what I mean? My, my secret weapon that I'm working with, progressive action with, you know what I mean? He put me on to something. He said, uh, he sent me a bulletin that says that if you see a, a, a suspicious package, or an unattended package on the train. The train go out of service now. Really? Yeah. It sent me the bulletin. So I'm like, how did I miss this? I didn't know about that There's either. a threat. There's a specific threat that they not saying. Because it never was like that. Whenever we found an a, a un, unattended package, mm-hmm. it was, oh, take it back to your position. Now you see an unattended I'm package. They telling I'm you the core RCC, next stop train getting taken out of service. I didn't know that. The bulletin came out in new. July. Wow. <laughs> so was, what that's telling me aware. is that there's a threat. Yeah. And it's just a matter of when. Yeah, they it's know. It's just they, a matter of they when. Know, they not go tell us. Because remember, uh, less than a year ago, it was if anybody give you a, a letter or a note or saying something like that. Oh, yeah, I remember you said that. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's if you see a package left on a train, train is out of service next stop. What that's telling you, Joe? Some, they have intelligence somebody, about something. Right. Somebody knows something, but they're not saying But they're not going to tell us. Because mm-hmm. they don't want us to panic. Right. Yeah, but who's getting left in that train? Like, okay, <laughs> you got a thousand people on the train, everybody gets off, and now there's two people left, and you're going to take that train somewhere? What you mean? I mean, you're going to take it out of service no, 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 there, no, no. or you're taking it to, a, to, to somewhere that they're going to tell you to take it to? No, the tra- all the customers must leave the train. And then it stays where it is? The package? 
No, you, the whole train. The whole train stays oh, where I, it is. I have no idea. That's yeah. what I'm wondering. Because then, you know, okay, all the passengers are off and, and you two guys are stuck. Well, they only care about their customers, yo. I know. <laughs> exactly. So now, I'm, right, a, so, I'm a customer. <laughs> right. So now the crew, I see what Joe is trying to say. Yeah, so, yeah, now, yeah. so now the crew is stuck with moving the train with, with the, the package, package on there. <laughs> God knows what it is. But right. they don't care about the they don't care about the workers. We we just numbers. Exactly, because see now you want you know you you want to call the authorities so that the bomb squad could come. Because the regular right. copper tell you I'm not touching that, I'm not trained for that. Right, right. And I'm not either. <laughs> so they're gonna want you and your partner to transport a bag of anthrax through the city. <laughs> <laughs> or, or whatever it may be, but that goes on to, like, first of all, I would like to ask Pendergrass this. Can you explain to me the difference between a unattended package and a suspicious package? Because when I look at the recent bombings of, that happened here, the Boston bombing, that was an unattended package from the outskirts. Nobody didn't know it was in there. They had it inside a backpack. It was, they left it unattended and left. It wasn't nothing suspicious about this backpack. So... I don't know the difference between an unattended package and a suspicious package. Now, I guess the version of a suspicious package is if you see wires or whatever hanging out the bag, oh yeah, that's suspicious. And But you want me to go investigate it, key up my radio that could possibly set off this bomb or right. whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Right. That don't make no sense. And these, these shitty ass radios could set off a bomb in Israel. Nope. <laughs> that's how bad they is. Right about I, that. I'll be, I be in... I be in Astoria Dipmars trying to communicate with the dispatcher. Can't hear nothing. But I hear everything that's going on on the end and still well. Really? Wow. The radio is it's it's too many. It's, it's bl- radios are horrible. If we ever in any kind of trouble or if they passengers are in, in any kind of trouble, we it's certain spots you can't communicate. Because it's like they have these blackout spots where you can hear absolutely nothing. You can't communicate. You'll be calling them and calling them. Hear absolutely nothing. So I said, okay, if I have a real emergency and I'm trying to call you to communicate with you to let you know what's happening, you're not going to hear me and I'm not going to hear you. And it's like you just down there with all these people by yourself. So why doesn't the union address that, those dead spots? Because that's not a good thing. They need to, they need to revamp the whole communication system, system. and transit Period. First of all, let me tell you what they did. They kicked us off our um, frequency because the police said it's too crowded. Whoever mm-hmm. runs the police communication said, we got to get y'all off our frequency. They made us change our frequency. Oh, that's why they did that. That, that narrow band. That narrow band. Ba- okay, mm-hmm. yeah. They got because of the police. I was oh. wondering why they did yeah, that. Yeah, it was because of the police. Now we got an even worse communication system because the police is only going to take what's the best. Of course. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And they go get all oh, y'all transit workers. Y'all don't need anything. But we're down there with the elements and the people and, the and people. everything else. Right. And God, and God knows what else right. is down there. Because anything can happen. I always say, you know, again, I, I, I don't know. I think about disaster for some reason as I get older. So, you know, anything can happen in that damn tunnel or even going across that bridge, you know. You're right. Personally, I'd rather be on the bridge. Not, not above, me. above <laughs> ground. <laughs> not, not underground or the tube, you know? <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, man. So, that's what I mean when I said we're living in a different day and time. So, when you're talking about thousands of people that ride the system, man, they can't, you know, they take it, li- you know, they take it lightly. Look at them letting Governor Cuomo be on the, be on the tracks 
with his in his suit and in his shoes. suit and shoes and, exactly and his governor special I know right. he looked like no, <laughs> no PPE getting ready to go dancing exactly <laughs> you know it looked like that movie The Warriors with them dudes on the tracks <laughs> shit in fact he, he dressed better than Sam you did his whole career <laughs> <laughs> but but you know it's 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 crazy like if we ever in some serious trouble there's no help for us yeah there's, there's no help. First of all, police take a long time to respond to anything down there. Anything. Right. And just like you said, in Manhattan, they're there like that. But the mm-hmm. outskirts, the outer boroughs, where they at? That's not true. I was, I w- I was calling RCC from Broadway, Broadway Lafayette. From Broadway Lafayette to 34th Street. It's a dead spot. And that was on a, a Fox, right? This dude was masturbating in front of a kid. Mm-mm. So a customer told me, I'm calling RCC, calling RCC, calling RCC. My partner was like, yo, forget it. You say it three times, you state what it is, and just, just let it be. So a dude came up to me and was like, yo, this guy got to get off the train, or I'm going to beat him up. So when I got to 34th Street, because I know that's where the radio work at, I called them at 23rd, a matter of fact. That's where I caught them. We got to 34th Street, the train sat there for about 20 minutes. So RCC is like, police still didn't come? I said, no. No police came. When he came, he came walking up so slow. I'm like, like yo, my dude, you don't see nothing serious about a, 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 a homeless man masturbating in front of a little child? Oh, the cop? Oh, okay. A cop came walking up real slow? <laughs> slow. No emergency. No, in 34th Street, you would think that it's no a whole bunch of... No urgency, no nothing. Yeah, you would think it's a whole bunch of cops there. We was there for about 20 minutes. RCC, like, cop police still didn't arrive? No. No, no, no cop arrived. And I regret calling it in because nobody took it serious. I missed my lunch. You know what I'm saying? I, I suffered at the end of that. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So a homeless man was masturbating. This ain't, this ain't nothing new. This goes on all, all the time. Oh, okay. all, all the time in that subway, mm-hmm. and, and now from what I understand, it, it was it's the same guy. It's the same guy. They know of this person. Well, uh, us conductors know. Oh, okay. You know, this ain't nothing new. What he do? Okay, mm-hmm. okay. So it's like we deal with so much BS, man. Yeah, so much. But I, I got to get to the bottom of it, why they want us to take these trains out of service now because it's a lot for them to take a train out of service. Yeah. And they, th- you know, and they really, again, they, they really hold these customers' word to uh, as law. As law, you know, they th- they're like gold. And I'm saying to myself, you know, do people are so out of touch with the people with society in New York, and what's really and and in their mind and how crazy they are, you know. And I don't understand that because we're down there with these people every day. We know more about the foot traffic, what goes on at every station, because we work these jobs every day. We're down there every day with these people. And a customer can come and say something or write a letter or email, and they hold it as gospel. And I just do not understand it. Well, I just do not understand it. I was speaking to a station agent day before yesterday, and she told me that a customer put a station agent on um, order protection. I was reading and, that. And, and this, this, this customer was a swiper. He was swiping people in. And she, she always used to tell him, stop, you can't do that, whatever, whatever communication she did. This guy went to go get an order protection. 
got it somehow. They was like, they don't know who he know, who he knew. He got it, and she ended up getting days in the street behind it. Because he was swiping people, and, but he went to go the, get an order of protection. They trying to keep that. They trying to keep that quiet too. Wow, <laughs> I heard something today. I want to ask you guys about this. I was speaking to a fellow conductor today, and he said that he heard from the crew office that if you work in RDO, and like say you're you're working in RDO, you're putting someone someone's job, and that person resumes and comes back, that means you automatically fall to the board. Correct. So. You have to call the crew office and say if you decide to stay or whatever and you're, you're on the board and say the crew office gives you a job that you don't like. If you decide to book off or leave, you're going down to 2 Broadway. I don't, I don't have know. Have you guys heard anything about that? I don't know about that, but I know that if you work an audio and you fall to the board, mm-hmm. you could decide to go home and get paid two hours. But now... Apparently, it's been changed that if you book off, you're getting written up and you're going to 2 Broadway. Well, email your union rep. I said, well, <laughs> check that out. <laughs> okay, but what's, in the, but what's in the contract concerning booking off? And Well, the, the thing is this. The crew office, they make their own rules as they go along. Apparently, what I heard was that the union signed off on that. Well, the union signs off on, on everything. Yeah, they signed off on that. I said, they did what? Well, who? Kia had to sign off on I it. I said, well, I'll right? be. Right. The vice president had to sign off on that, right? Right. It would have to be can, can, the, can the chair sign off on that, too? Or it has to go to the vice president? I mean, if the vice president doesn't care, then the chair can sign off on it. But right. it, it should go to the VP. VP's so, ultimate responsibility. Email Kia. Wow. And I just found that out a, a couple hours ago. Or, yeah, yeah, because as the person was telling me, I was writing it down. I was writing it as he was telling me. So I said, well, I'll be. Do y'all have a crew assignment section? Where? I mean, do y'all, who y'all call when y'all book off? Just, or is this the bond? Just call the bond. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The mm-hmm. bond life seemed different from, like, the RTO life. Oh, no, yeah. It's definitely. night and day. <laughs> <laughs> Night and day from RTO and from you know depot operations, it's a totally different thing in maintenance. Yeah, because in in the bus depots, um, well TA Surface, first of all, they are uh, everything is assigned by management. You know, management gives out the overtime and all and days off and all and all that stuff. But in Map Store, the union controls all of that. The union could you know they have that big red book. And they and they also control the overtime. They give out the overtime. So uh, and and then when it comes to stuff like our paychecks and anything wrong with our checks or um, any other discrepancy, then we have the general office where the, where you have a general dispatcher at, and they take care of everything right there. So another right. So everything is right there on the property, similar to car equipment in the depots when it comes to anything concerning the members. Now again, RTO. That because because when Tramel called me and asked me, well, who do you go to for this? Who do you ask this? So I said, well, I always say it's different with buses because everything's right there in the depot. But in RTO, everything is again everything is spread out because I because I remember asking them, where is this uh, crew office at? Where are these people at that you call? <laughs> you know. So <laughs> I'm like, we well, should go down there. You know. Right. Right. Um. It. And, and, you know, it just goes back to, to discipline, too. People that are in schedule-driven um, departments have 
I mean, exponentially higher discipline than um, than maintenance uh, and 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 those not dealing with the public mostly. Um, stations, RTO, buses, highest discipline, um, it, and that also coincides with how we deal with our management and maintenance as as compared to how how you guys have to deal with your management out on the road. Yeah. Do do y'all have a um, employee recognition program? Every time they have one, nobody wants to be in it, only because. Like when when they take your picture and they put it up there and you're hanging and you're with the boss, we call it like the wall of shame. Nobody <laughs> nobody wants to be on the wall of shame. Jamel liked the employee recognition program. Yeah, I wrote an article <laughs> on it in Progressive Action. Yeah, you know because it's um, but you you know what it was? It was it. I looked at it in the contract and it was actually a blast in the past. You know, again, you got to have a lot of seniority to remember something like that because they actually used to have award ceremonies and stuff, but. The reason why, again, the reason why I brought it up is because discipline. Again, I did, this is a, a beast that I just hate, this discipline system. So, if you, But if you had an employee recognition program to where you're rewarding employees with rings, watches, belt buckles, certificates, and whatever, you know, money, then guess what? Members will work hard to deter um, accidents and stuff like that. But the name of the game is discipline to bring you down there. So if there was a, I would say a two month period where no member got into anything, there were no knockdowns, there were nobody, nobody closed the doors on anybody, nobody hit a signal, nobody did nothing. What would those people down at Two Broadway have to do? <laughs> they would catch up on paperwork after a month and then they'd be sitting there um, you know, playing with rubber bands and stuff, you know, and other office supplies, you know. So that's what I mean when I say, you know, again, it's all people have jobs because of this discipline system. They don't give us anything to work towards. Right. I guess it's they our don't. paycheck. That's, our, what, that's what they consider. And that's part of the reason why the morale is the way it is. Yeah. Because we're just coming to work. That's it. There's nothing... You know, you don't, I just feel like if you have people that work for you, give them an incentive to want to come to work. They don't give us that. We're just there to work and that's it. And if you get in trouble, we are going to do everything we can to hang you. Mm -hmm. And that's how it is. That's how it is. And it shouldn't be that way. How you feel about your um, your, uh, chair? What chair? (laughs) <laughs> your RTO chair, Miss oh, Miss Young, Miss Young. I'm not asking you the general, but pray I'm, I'm, for me, Jesus. I'm, pray <laughs> for me. Oh, wow. I'm asking about um, her suggesting to management that we be on a platform to curtail illegal I'm activity. I'm not curtailing anything. That is not what I'm there to do. We don't get no respect as it is. So what makes her think that? us being there in uniform with a bright orange vest is going to deter anybody from doing anything. I agree with you. I, I just don't That's understand. That's not my job. I don't understand the position or what logical, like, I can't even imagine that, writing that down for management to shoot down. You know what I'm saying? Like, how you put that in, like, you go to, a, you put a grievance in and that's your argument? Oh, we could just be put there to curtail legal activity. Yeah, that's um, you know, it's it's an argument that's not thought out. Like you think you're getting ahead of them by saying, "Well, 
we have this other purpose. And you, but but then you know, if management wanted to, and there was a time when management would have turned the argument into what? So it's your responsibility now. So when something happens to somebody and you don't do something about it, you're written up. You want me to put that in a rule book too? Now it's your job to to to, to jump on criminals. Um, they could turn that argument around easy on you. So it's a, so it's an amateur way to approach. Um, you know, trying to convince management of your point. Yeah. It was. It wasn't. It was. It wasn't a good. It wasn't a good direction to go. Yeah, that, and you was right. You used the right terminology, Joe. Tried to get ahead. <laughs> oh, I, I, I got something to get ahead of them. You know, we could de- curtail crime. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you know. And um, my thing is, okay. is that I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. My thing is, you won't even let me give CPR to a customer. But you want me to put myself in danger to protect them? Who? That doesn't balance out. Who wants you? No, the I'm MTA saying, don't want you. No, I'm saying MTA does not want you to give like a person CPR or anything if yeah. they're in medical distress. But you, you will want me to be out there in my uniform to deter crime and put myself in harm's way. That doesn't balance out. This is, this is why we need uh, psychological tests. Right. <laughs> and, you know, management for, um, you know, for reasons of insurance and, and reasons of safety, they don't want you to be out there to deter crime. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is, you know, this is the MTA's um, take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reminded of a case, and Joe, you may remember because this happened in the 90s. There's a bus operator. He's retired now, but his name was, um, well, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't know if I want to use his name, but he's retired now. But, there was a case in the 90s at Times Square, I think in Manhattan, wherever, because that's where he worked, where some kids were fighting on a platform. And he stepped in and he basically broke up the fight. So now, I don't know, of course, I don't know what management did to him afterward, but he worked as a property protection agent for a long time. And then he, he, he went back on the road. He went back on the road maybe about 10 years ago. And then he recently retired. He wrote a book too. I got, but um, but he recently retired. But this happened in the nineties. I heard something about it. I'm not sure of the details. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not sure of the details. If I ever see that guy again, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him the details of what happened with that. But basically, he broke up a, some kids in the nineties. You know, everybody was wild back then. So, you know, he broke up a fight on the platform, and and I don't know what management did to him afterwards. You know. Well, that you know, that's that that that's something that management does, and to hurt your morale, mm-hmm. you know, and you think you're doing the right thing, right? Because they turn around and hit you for it. Exactly. And matter of fact, he was on his swing because he had one of those long swings, and uh, and and basically, I, I believe they may have tried to fire him behind that. They try to fire you. Nothing surprises me. They will try to fire you for anything. Yeah. Exactly. You go. Yeah. Fire you you go to anything. work with that. Go to work with that pick in your head. And somebody don't like it. <laughs> and I'm going to do it too. Watch. It's right. Because the pick has a fist in it. So yep. it's, it's intimidating. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. So we, we can't have that. You know. Yeah. Oh my it's just goodness. too much. Exactly. It's too much because for any little thing, you will be downtown. They tried to give me days in the street for something I didn't even see. And I'm like. Uh, Recently. I have. Four eyes. How could I not see that? <laughs> I don't understand. They try to give a twenty-five. Well, for what? The charge on the Dan was failure to investigate and report 
to RCC, a customer injury, at 53rd Street and Lexington Avenue. Now, uh, how can I report something that I didn't see? Nobody reported anything to me and I didn't see anything, so what was I supposed to tell you? What was I supposed to tell you? And my, what happened was my train pulled into Lexington Avenue and 53rd, high traffic station and everything. You open the doors, you're doing your observations. And if I don't have a clear line of vision, I can't close my doors. So I'm making the announcement, stand clear to closing doors and everything, and I still can't see. Then finally it clears up. I close my doors, proceed all the way down. Go to World Trade, came back, was on Juan lunch. Before we could make our next trip out, RCC and the superintendent is on the phone talking about, um, did anybody report anything to you at 53rd and Lexington Avenue? No. They asked me and my train operator. We rode G2s to that effect. Okay. Then I look around. Why do I have to go pee in the cup and blow in the tube? For what? Oh, somebody has to go. Bullshit. What do I have to go for? You know, so I end up having to go. Then I had to go to um, to Broadway the next day. They took me out of service and everything. I was restricted for like two weeks. And then within that two weeks, here comes the Dan. And then I'm looking, I'm like, what are you talking about? And the one thing I did was look up every rule they said I violated. Every rule they said I violated. I'm like, it's bullshit. You know. So I end up having to go down to 2 Broadway and everything. And when I went down there, I was ready for a dogfight because I said I am not leaving until I'm satisfied because there's no way I should be getting days in the street for something I didn't even see. If I didn't see it, how can I report anything to you? And I just happened to get a good rep and I've spoken to her before and she was the rep that I spoke to at the time of the incident. So I said, I don't want to speak to or deal with anybody in regards to this but you because you've been there from the beginning. So we went and went through the whole report, page by page, everything. We sat there before we even sat down with management. We went through that whole report, page by page, highlighted everything, notes, everything. And we were ready to do what we had to do. And she even called for the video of the station. So what ended, up, what ended up happening, we ended up seeing a video. And what ended up happening was, on the video, there's an old man standing there. And he's standing by the pillar and waiting for the train and everything. And the train is coming in. And as, it seemed like as soon as the train started to come in, it's like he turned in a complete circle. And down he went. He fell backwards towards the train. Now, by the time my train stopped and I opened the doors, the passengers had pulled him away from the train and everything. And they, he got up and they put him on the train. Now, I can't see any of this. All I see is foot traffic in the front. So... I'm like, okay, 
I see the foot traffic. Then it shows where I went to close the doors and the lady had her foot stuck out because she was talking and I popped the doors back. So it ended up there like, okay, well, she's not operating unsafe. She's not beating up anybody with the doors or anything. She saw something, she opened the doors and she left them open. So exactly what is she doing wrong? And I said, that was my whole argument from the beginning. I shouldn't even be here. I was down at Two Broadway all day for that. All day. And, and I feel like when you go down there, you have to have your T's crossed and your I's dotted. Because if you don't, they are going to eat you up. They're going to eat you up and they're going to have you out in the street. They are. 25 days for her not knowing, being aware of an incident. And the crazy thing is you had to go and, you know, provide urine and, and blowing and blowing a breathalyzer. Mm-hmm. Now, my thing is, again, conductors don't drive anything, don't operate anything, but to, except for doors. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm not putting y'all down, but, the, you know, but basically, okay, you would expect a bus driver to go pee in a cup for an incident because, again, mm-hmm. you're operating a bus and everything is right there. But... When it comes to a conductor, you're not operating. It's you know you're not operating that. And then another thing is, if you have no, basically it's on some shit to where there's no knowledge because you didn't, you legitimately didn't see what was going on, and nobody brought anything to your attention. You would think that the, they would have pulled the train operator, right? If anybody, because he came in contact with the second car of the train. He came in contact with the second car of the train. But I wouldn't even and say I wouldn't even say do that to the train operator neither because again, d- there's no mirrors, and it's not like a, so. It's basically, a train operator can't prevent something that's behind them. And the thing about it, when we're coming in the station, I'm still in the cab with my window up. So I had what would I know? I wouldn't know anything. It's just this is a good example of how management um, just want to give out days. Now I just show I just showed Joe the the bulletin. <clears throat> what you think about that, Joe? That's odd. It, it's almost like somebody somebody told them that uh, we heard something. Somebody's gonna plant something. That if I saw a bulletin like that, I'd be a little worried that uh, something's gonna go down down there. Yeah, it's really serious. Like they say, if you see it, you leave it. You walk away from it. Call RCC. And basically, the train going out of service. Yeah. I mean, because I, I remember when they first, 10 years ago, let's say, they, they first started talking about suspicious packages. And then nobody really took it serious. One time, there was a, a CTA, I think it was at 205th Street, who had um, reported a package left on the train. And the supervisor just went over there and grabbed it and threw it in the garbage can. Right, so that was as, that was as serious as they took the package. In other words, because it didn't say bomb on it, they figured, okay, it's garbage, and just threw it out. And now that is talking about discharging passengers, getting them, I guess, off the platform. I mean, what's the point in discharging the passenger and just leave them on the platform? You're talking about getting them off the platform and, um, and, and, and having a, a bomb squad come down or somebody qualified to look at that package they say must move away from the suspicious package and isolate the area like this is how serious they taking it well how do you isolate it how does the train crew isolate the area you mean close the doors <laughs> because i you know it takes like caution tape and 
quite a few people to move. You see what rush hour looks like. Yeah, like, I see. I see like looks- Lexington Avenue. How you? Oh wow! <laughs> oh, gonna, oh, it's horrible over there. How are you going to isolate? That's disgusting. It's horrible. Yeah, real horrible. It's horrible over there. How are you going to isolate? But but you know, I mean, there should be some additional training on that as well. They really should. I I don't think they should just put out <laughs> and let you guys figure out how you're supposed to do that. Okay. But the union had to sign off on it, though, right? All bulletins and, and memos and everything come through. They're supposed to come through the union. On the Roger Toussaint, everything had to come through the union before it went out. So my thing is, is this. Why don't the union explain it to us? Like, they got that beautiful website, TWLocal100.org. Why don't they put that information up there instead of they propaganda bullshit? Because they're afraid to take responsibility for anything that's not conducive to them getting elected again. That has nothing to do with the next election, so you ain't going to see <laughs> nothing exactly. on that. Unless they put a picture of Samuelson on it. Right. Now, let me ask you something. Right. At Stillwell, do they do, you know, like, does the union come around and at least do shop gates to everybody? Negative. Only, Joe Wright, only when they want something. Only when they want a signature, it's some kind of campaign or whatever they trying to do. There is never to come see how the members is doing. And they definitely ain't coming on my shift. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting. But seriously about this bomb stuff they and are, the suspicious yeah, package stuff. They, they are horrible, man. This is why I don't pick AM jobs. Because when these people decide to do something, it's going to be in the morning time. It's going to be when people go on to work. Not when people coming home. They want to stop the city. They don't want the city to get money for that day. You know what I'm saying? I won't work 8 a.m.s ever. Ever, 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 ever. Uh, or not early a.m.s. Right. Late a.m.s. 11, 12. Unbelievable, man. But I really want to know what's the... Because these bulletins just don't originate because it's going to be 90 degrees tomorrow. They come from somewhere. <laughs> for real. They come from somewhere. Somebody right. had a discussion. It was a serious discussion. It's a serious threat going on, and it's a, it's, it a, it's a bomb threat going on. I guess that's why the TSS that rode with me the other day was asking me about evacuation and stuff. I said, mm. <laughs> And they, I never had a TSS ask me anything about that before. Now, here he come with all the evacuation questions and what to do if there's smoke and this and that and I said oh see, so now you start putting the twos and fused together and now it's starting to make sense see why there's hey, something swirling around cover your ass right. if I gotta evacuate I'm coming before anybody else y'all giving me medicine that's opened up already y'all giving me a, a, a big ass escape mask that's gonna kill me before I even get it on I'm not you better off with a bottle of water when and it's a rag time to evacuate I will put on my vest I will make an announcement Follow the brightest thing that you see moving. Because it's just going to be a flash and I'm gone. <laughs> I don't care where we at. I'm gone. I'm not, I'm, I wasn't trained in no evacuation. Right. I mean, I'm not matter of fact, responder. we was. At, at, at fire school, we was, right? Pardon? At fire school, we was taught evacuation, right? Yeah. But that shit wasn't real. That train was too clean and it was only us on there. You can't evacuate a packed train. 2,000 people on the train rush hour, what you gonna do? I had a TSS tell me, he said, everybody that's able to move, you get them off the train. He said, the people that have wheelchairs and all that, he said, you gotta leave them. He said, because you'll never get them out. He said, you will never get them out. And he said, listen, he said, if all else fails, he said, you go. He said, because if it's me, I'm going. He said, because I don't want no picture of me and no dusty ass plaque and no crew room. I'm going home. I said, 
well damn okay because yeah, it's, it's even tss with them packages they said they leave them they said i ain't touching i ain't trained to touch no package and we're not and we shouldn't we shouldn't even have to subject ourselves to that i think that's ridiculous you know we should call samuelson we yeah. got his number right we should yep. call samuelson live and ask him about these, these what's going on with this bomb threat him and Cuomo got going on or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, Lord. it's just, it's just uh, I guess, uh, you know, I'm sitting here right now, Joe, because in buses, you know, the old timers, they at least came out and did a shop gate when something new came about or when management was trying to do something or came out with a bullet, a crazy bulletin like that. But I'm I'm actually sitting here like wow they don't they don't do shop gates I do they shop, don't I do shop gates but they don't I mean and I'm I'm being serious they don't come come around to the terminal come around to the terminals and talk to your members about things like this now this is serious no it is but why would they come somewhere to talk and not have answers it's the same thing like going to the union meeting they don't have answers to none of this you ask Chris do this she's go just that go had a question mark. The same way how I asked her about why is pension demands on a contract sheet. And she didn't have no clue as to what I was talking about. You know what I'm saying? These people don't got the answers. And they don't just want, they just don't want to see certain people. So that, so th- th- this is the reason why these supervisors just seem like they just walk all over the members in your department. Because, again, if there's no presence of the union and they don't fear them, they say, oh, okay, shoot, we got this. You know what I'm saying? We can walk all over the members. We can do whatever we want to do. We can do, do, whatever, we do whatever we want to do, right. It that's exactly matter. That's exactly what's going on. Oh, yep. my goodness, man. So it's like when when you work RTO, it's like every man for themselves and the survival of the fittest. And if you don't have your game face on, that's it. That's it. This is the truth. And see, you know, another thing is, right, if you know, um, you know, like I, I know, Tremel, you're at Stillwell basically every day. So... If you know who the supervisors are, and you know, and if they, and if you feel, and if you feel that they're messing with people, then you know what? People got members have to understand. You can write up these supervisors. Yeah, they could be written up too because it'll it'll hinder their promotion. But you want to know what? Like I tell people, we have to be responsible for ourselves because we go out there and do a lot of silly shit and expect mm-hmm. nothing to happen. You know what I'm saying? But the shit where they pick on because sometimes supervision pick on people you know what i'm saying but for, for the most part i feel that we put ourselves in certain situations so members do some dickheaded shit then yeah i mean some of them and then they expect everywhere. a miracle on broadway and expect <laughs> the union to get you out of it but you can't do dumb shit and expect people to clean up your shit yeah you have to you know what you're supposed to do do what you're supposed to do don't do some dickhead shit and then expect somebody to clean it up. Now, I got into a debate with a dude on progressive action and he asked me, I put up a post similar to that and I was like, is the union, the union is not expected to um, win every case. And when I meant by that, I meant by it get expunged altogether. You know what I'm saying? I expect, I don't expect them to do that but if you got six charges, six dans on your record, and you're supposed to get fired and you save that person's job, that's a win. A win to me isn't she just got hit with 25 days and you negotiate 20 on her first incident. That's a loss. That's not no win. <laughs> right. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. if you save somebody their job and they deserve to get fired, that's a win. I'm not saying going in, oh, oh, um, you know, we can't get you zero days. 
if this is that person first incident nobody died nobody no nobody got hurt they made a mistake you can't get them 20 days i know somebody a, a, a conductor first incident opened up outside the station nobody got hurt no nothing she just opened up on the wrong board she got 20 days and i asked i said why did you take that you know what i'm saying you go to, as soon as you hear to broadway it pumps fan people heart yeah you know what i'm saying oh you know oh because you hear about all the stories you hear the harvest yeah stories. you hear about all the stories and it's like yo i'm a i would love to go down there Especially yeah. for because I follow the rules, I ain't worried about that. But I would love to go down there on some bullshit. Yeah, because you know my thing is why 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 is the management down there being allowed to just dish out discipline? Basically, it sounds like they're dishing out whatever they feel like it. That's what it sounds like. It's not a responsible look at a record and, and say, okay, this person did. This. But now let me ask you something: Is Open up an outside door is considered a major violation. Well, it's only two tracks. It's time and attendance. And remember, if you get hit with conduct unbecoming, that's like a major violation. Correct, Joe? Um, or that's or that's conduct unbecoming. Depending on what, there's a judgment call on that. That's an out. That conduct unbecoming, meaning that you, something you did on the outside. Right, like yeah, assault. Yeah, yeah. you I were mean, arrested. Yeah, you was arrested. Right, so there's a difference between like attempted murder and um, you know, uh, you know, you slap somebody. No, but you could be arrested but not found guilty. But the fact that you was arrested, you go still get the same punishment. Um, if right, but if there's a felony and a misdemeanor, okay, there's a difference. Yeah, there. yeah. Um, one one of the things, you know, when it comes to like major and minor, because that's that's what you're really talking about. You have tracks for minor. But major. Yeah. Majors are fraud, stealing, violence, and threats fall into violence. Those are your majors that could get you taken out of service. Those will get you fired. Well, you're getting taken out of service pending termination. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. So you could okay. fight your way back in or something. Yeah. Maybe a miracle could happen. But on the other side, now opening doors, you know, that's a job performance. There's no major on job performance. Right. But, they, but they consider that a major. They're not so, they're, no, that that shouldn't be because it's not. You didn't do it on purpose. I, think they I mean, if you if operational, if you did, it's operational, yeah. If you did it on purpose because you wanted to see people fall out of the train on the wrong side and they and you like yeah. admitted it, then it should be a major, yeah. But anything that you do by accident is a minor. Just like if we get caught, if I get caught with a hat as a conductor, that's a um operational infraction. And you could get like 20 days in the street for that. Well, I mean, unless there were some agreements with the union that I don't know about in RTO yeah. down the line yeah, that man. said, okay, we'll let you, you know, burn our members for this. Um, I, it doesn't make any sense well, to me. Let me ask you this. 20 days. Well, they, they wanted 30 days for the opening up outside the station. 30 days, you would, they would consider that a major violation to offer you 30 days. Yeah. I mean... They can only offer you the 30 days if you don't have anything else on your discipline that, that led you up to that 30 days. Then they're trying to say that it's a major. Yeah, that's, I mean, what, I'm, that's union, what I'm saying. Your union is also supposed to fight that and say, no, nah, this isn't a major. And those 30 days, besides the guilt or the not guilt of the incident, the, the fight is also over the penalty. And I mean, that has to happen up front right away. Your Dan history has to reflect what that penalty is supposed to be. You can't negotiate from... From a position like that with a gun to your head? Yeah, you're right. You're right. And one thing I would like to see change is I don't like the guessing part when you're going down the two Broadway. 
if I opened up outside the station, it should say, you open up outside the station, you get in this amount of days. You do this, you get this amount of days. It shouldn't be no guessing game when you go down there. You never know what you're going to get when you, you yeah, get Yeah, you down never there. know. It's like it's like Christmas. It's like anything goes. That's right. And that's that's what I when I talk about, you know, um the way business is done down at Two Broadway and some some people they when they hear me talk about this, they get upset. They think I'm lumping everybody into the same category. Not everybody is incompetent down there, but they all seem to be playing the same game with their back against the wall. And 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 unless you change the rules down there, you're never going to get ahead. Now, as far as this is concerned and what you guys are talking about, this is probably about 10 years ago. There was a director of car equipment that I wrote a grievance about this kind of thing saying excessive penalties, that labor relations was engaging in excessive penalties on write-ups, just broad. So the director um, called me up and he was like, yo, Joe, why did you write this? You, you, you have to prove to me that we're giving out excessive penalties on write-ups. So I said, well, how much proof do you want? So he said, well, you know, uh, if you could prove it to me, then prove it to me. So I, I grabbed all the write-ups because we kept files on everybody. And I just, I didn't even have to, I, I said, you know what, I'm just going to fill up this one hand truck. And, and I'm not going to go through them all. Once I just fill up this hand truck, that should be enough. And I brought a hand truck down to 2 Broadway. And I said, okay, Jeff, his name is Jeff Granham. Jeff, you go through this now and tell me that 20 days for this, 15 days for that. 30 days for that. And what was the result? Because I also have the decisions here. Because the penalties in, in arbitration were, 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 were tweaked. So he said, well, you have a, a, a decision, you know, when it comes to like, um, you know, if your penalty is, is dropped down drastically, it's like a win for you guys. So, so, so we won't charge the member for, for coming down to two Broadway. Um, and we, we wind up paying them. I said, that's not good enough. I said, because... You know, you, you have reps negotiating from, from, from this plateau, and, and maybe they don't know any better. I don't know. But you guys are playing that game because you're down here. This is your business. So it, 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 my, my whole theory on this, and my theory is based on, on hypothesis, you know, an educated guess. Our misery is their bread and butter, and until we change the rules, this, this game is going to remain the same. And I don't care what kind of rep you have down there. He would not be able to defend, he or she would not be able to defend a member when, when playing from that perspective, from playing with a rigged deck of cards. Right. Okay, you have fives and fours and sixes, and they have aces, kings, and queens. How many games are you going to win? They hold the cards, they make the rules. We've got to change the rules, and we could do that in a contract. Because there are reps that, down at 2 Broadway, that they're like, it's... They know what's going on down there is crazy. They know it. And it's like, what are we going to do about it? You know, because the rep that I work with, we, we talk about a lot of different things and what's going on with the union. And, you know, she, they always fight her on everything because she will fight for you as much as she can who who are you talking about because her name is erica okay and she will fight for you with everything that she has erica need to be on the she show she will she'll work with you she'll sit she'll talk with you and she'll let you know what's what and you're not gonna go in there blind like i don't know what's going on so is you're it, not is erica kicking ass at two rowing 
to me, she is. All right, we, because we got somebody to say somebody kicking ass at two broad. <laughs> because for her, everything does not require days in the street. You know, because she reads through everything and, you know, and for her, everything doesn't require days in the street. And they always fight with her because of that, you know, because she wants to be fair and every little thing doesn't require days in the street. And, you know, she said there was a time that, you know, like minor things were settled out in the field and they said management took that away. That could still happen, right, Joe? That's attachment B. Right. Management should not have taken that away because it's still in the contract. It's still in the contract, yeah. yeah that's because they said they don't do that anymore. Like, they would do, like, their re-instructions and things in the field. They probably don't practice it. They don't practice it, but they're supposed to. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That, in fact, for anything that's under five days could be handled in a terminal or bond or anything. Like that. Oh, absolutely. Exactly. Five this, days okay, under. so that's something that can be done and they're not doing but, no, it? No, but this is the thing right here. Being the fact that it says that, like, um, um, punishment that doesn't exceed five days, that must mean they have a guideline to tell you how much um, an incident days, an incident gone. Yeah, it's in the contract. No, I'm talking about specific incidents because oh. if, if, if they saying that she opened up outside the station and they go give her 20 days, then where's that written at that she's go get 20 days or it's 20 days for this incident? I hope it's not written anywhere. Because I'm saying that that's a minor. But unless somebody wrote it down or there's a precedent for it, it should be a minor, which means that it, it goes back to your Dan and a contract decides progressive discipline. My thing is, why isn't there no transparency to, 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 so we can see how, man, how labor relations come up with these numbers? And then another thing is, right, when it comes to discipline overall, right, not just on the job, just, you know, in life, it's like discipline is supposed to correct things. When, when people go to jail as a form of discipline, it's supposed to correct a person. Now it it always does it always doesn't happen that way. But basically, why is it this discipline system if it's so effective? Why doesn't it correct the situations? Why is it always things that always happen? It's, it's a revolving door down the two Broadway sounds. This like. discipline is more punitive than corrective. It's, right. It's always punitive, and that's why when we talk about the excessive penalties, and we wind up saying we're not. In other words, something's going to go from step one to step two to arbitration. We're not going to accept the penalty. The penalty's wrong. And, and, and so, the, so, so you're not even arguing the guilt. You're just arguing the penalty all the way to arbitration. This keeps those people down there fed. They have kids in college, they have ki and, they, and they're feeding off our misery. That's right. 16,000 write-ups a year. That's a big farm, right, of food that they can eat. <laughs> 16,000 corn stalks. I mean, you're talking about a lot of write-ups, 16,000. And that keeps them all fed. And they have to keep that. They, that, that. That's labor relations budget. It gives them their hate points. It makes them powerful within the MTA themselves as a, as a department. They have a say. They control negotiations. Right? They, they, our misery is their budget, is their power, is their food. Along with that 30% that they get. That's right for members who do who accept the seventy thirty, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. unbelievable. We gotta we gotta get in this dog fight because this is serious. We just gotta st we in a dog fight. We just gotta start fighting back. This yeah. this there's just so much to talk about when when we talk about bringing down the discipline numbers. But the discipline numbers have to come down because if everyone's walking around with a fat discipline jacket, they're not strong. 
They're not, they don't feel the confidence to stand up to management and stand up for themselves. I'm not speaking about everybody because some people will do it regardless. But a lot of people are just like, no, nah, man, I got a couple of write-ups this year. Think about 16,000 write-ups and 32,000 TA OA members only. Not even counting MTA bus or any, you know, any other local 100 members. 16,000 write-ups for 32,000 people. That's one write-up every two years. So for 25 years, that's an average of 12 and a half write-ups. Right over everybody over all that time. Now, now discipline isn't isn't dispersed like that. Buses, RTO, and stations have more discipline than anybody else does. In my department in 2012, when when we had negotiations, car equipment had 150 write-ups. I think it was stations that had 3,200 write-ups. Now you see the disparity there. Of course. Right. So so so. More write-ups are being handed out, maybe 9,000 to 10,000, maybe even 11,000 write-ups to be uh, uh, passed out between buses, RTO, and stations. And think about how many members you have and how many write-ups that is, and think about how fat your discipline jackets get. So they just throw everything down to, to labor relations. There's nothing resolved. So how can we get them to start following the words that's in these agreements as far as like keeping some of this stuff in the terminal well that's what the reps got to do now i mean somebody's got to stand up and say you violated attachment b that's the first thing and then file a grievance on it and argue that fact now you now in discovery you're going to try to force labor relations to pull out every single write-up and find out it could this one have been handled uh down at you know however you do it yeah and, you know, in the field, could this one, could this one, could this one? They, they're not going to want to do that. They're going to want to try to settle it with some kind of stip saying, going forward, we're going to do better to do this and that. And, I mean, that, that would actually be a win, even though that's weak. Yeah. But that would be a win. That would, that's, that's just one thing. That, that, was, that was the attempt to try to, 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 to hold, to rear, rear back that, that um, disciplined Bronco that's kicking around and throwing everybody around. Because <laughs> that's, that's what's really happening. And then, of course, we want to we want to look at sick. Sick. We want to we want to be able to re-identify sick. Sick is a big discipline um, horse for us. We need to we want to be able to 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 identify what is sick. Ergonomically speaking, for bus operators, train operators, conductors, station agents, people that work maintenance, people that do heavy lifting, everybody's got their own issue with how the body breaks down depending on the work you do. Not even talking about diet, because diet is also a problem out there. Yeah. But just talking Big about time. that. So, so, so you and I, we were calling sick because we're hurting. You know, nobody's getting any younger. The body wears us down one way or another. The job is doing a trick. And, 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 and you know, we say, you know what? If I just take a couple of days sick, I'm going to feel better, which is true. Because you get out of your environment and your body relaxes, you feel better. The joints, the muscles, everything like that. But over a year's time, you start taking sick, but it's really the job causing that. And not even talking about disease, because I know we talked about that before, where here you are on a bus, driving a bus, the door's closed, and you just got a whole bus full of the flu driving around the city, and then you get sick from it. That's an on-the-job injury, technically, but you're going to use your sick days. Now, if you don't go to the doctor, or even if you do, and you have less than half your time, they're going to discipline you. So that's another thing we got to look at when we talk about bringing down discipline numbers is how does the job make us call out sick? Is We're not it? always going to the beach. <laughs> if, if we are going to the beach at all. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and, and also the fact that 
in some of your departments where you're schedule driven, you can't get vacation days as easy as I can, mm-hmm. right? Because some 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 places are 21 days, some places are 30 days, and and we all have children, we all have family members, so you know you got that sick in the bank. So you say, I'm, you know what? I'm not going to go through this headache begging somebody for a day off. So you call in sick. But there should be easier ways for you to use your vacation time and your AVAs when, when you have family issues that you have to deal with. That's the other thing that helps us get away from sick and begin to use our crude leave in a way, you know, more free than, than, than they allow us. Yeah. Right. And see, another thing, you know, just like I've been saying all along as far as the contract, they need to increase our banks increase our AVA banks and increase our OTO banks. That way you can utilize those instead of utilizing sick because that's exactly what's going on. Yeah. People are utilizing their sick time. You know, again, just like you said, everybody's at the beach or on a cruise or in Puerto Rico somewhere. You know? <laughs> you trying to right. throw shots? <laughs> <laughs> you shot your own self. Don't nobody got to know about you. <laughs> yeah, all the countries in the world, he go pick the one I visit the most. <laughs> I was, being, I was being funny, but you didn't have to say it. <laughs> Look, throwing shots at me. See this guy? But, Joe, you said something important. You know, sometimes you just need a day to rest, a couple of days to rest, you know right. what I'm saying, just to get off the road. And the MTA need to understand that every sickness don't require a doctor visit. No, as a matter of fact, it costs the medical it, it costs the medical benefits money for you to go to a doctor for a cold. You know how to treat a cold. They have over-the-counter medicines. The best way to treat a cold is to rest, right? Why do you need to go to a doctor for that Right. and spend that money? Yeah, and, and that needs to change because sometimes I need two days off, whether it's at the end of my audio, the beginning of my audio. And then that nonsense with the pattern, the way if you hook it up with your audios, then you're doing something wrong. How can you, how can and, and you I'm miss like, it? Listen. How can you miss it? It's right. <laughs> Right. And I'm like, listen, yeah. because but the the thing is, right? Let's say if you if you if you do have a cold or if you have the diarrhea or if you have you know whatever, why not hook up a day or two days with your RDOs because it helps to it help it helps you helps you to get better. <laughs> that's the, right. that seems the logical thing to do. Right, that's a logical <laughs> thing. But they penalize again. They, they penalize, penalize you for, you everything. for so, everything. So that's you want true. me? I'm sick. This is what they telling me to do. I'm sick. It's my, I just went through my audio sick. I come to work on, my, on Monday. I got the flu. I go to the crew room. I, I, I spread the, 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 the germ and everything to everybody. And for me to be safe and stay out of discipline, you know what? I take off the next couple of days. So I won't have to hook it up with my audio and, and I can save it. But I'm, I'm spreading disease around. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. They don't take into consideration that we work in the one of the dirtiest environments there is on top of that there's the homeless people down there on the trains who have everything from typhoid to pertussis the flu they have all kinds of communicable fomites and everything on them Mm -hmm. and they're on these trains and the people sit on the seats and everything and they move about the train and they take it everywhere you have people that, for some reason, I don't know why, when they come to ask you a question, they want to be right here. Oh, I know. I don't know what that's about. I don't love you like that. Back up <laughs> off me. They want to be right in your face to ask you a question. I can hear you from over there. You don't have to be here with it. And they sneezing and they coughing and they doing all kind of stuff. And you look around, you sick. You're like, why is my throat itching? Why is my nose running? What is going on? 
And sometimes you go to sleep and you wake up like, ugh, you just feel horrible. And I should not be penalized for taking time that I earned. That's right. I don't, I don't understand that. That's right. So we want to we want to be able to examine all that. So when I was talking about contract preparation, this is the kind of thing that we should be preparing for. And it's extensive. You have to, you know, you have to really get occupational health and safety experts. We're supposed to have some down at the hall. I don't know what they do. Yeah, it's a whole bunch of committees that's in the contract. That, that nothing goes on. That don't nothing go on. But, right. but our money you know, is paying for this foolishness? We, yes, it's, it's paying for nothing. I mean, <sighs> the thing about it, if they, don't do, they do nothing, then they don't do any damage. That's like looking at the bright side. <laughs> oh, but <Lord. laughs> In certain areas. But as far as occupational health and safety, there should be studies on every title or titles that are comparable with each other, maintenance titles over here, construction titles over there, operating titles over here, and find out what makes us sick. What, what, I, from sitting in a, in, a, in a seat in a truck in a bus, from being locked up in a cab, from standing all day in that cab going back and forth because the cab don't have seat. Um, some don't. Um, and, and No, they, actually, they all got seats, but they don't want us to sit. Well, yeah. Well, except uh, for the 32s and 42s. Yeah. Yeah, so some do, some don't. Um, transverse cabs, you'd be all right. But anyway, what I'm saying is that the, our job hurts us to an extent. Now, to some areas, you can't get away from that, but your recovery time, it has to be recognized. Now, the only way to do that is with statistics, and not just Local 100 statistics, but statistics from around the country combined with Local 100 statistics. Upper extremity studies, lower extremity studies, blood pressure, diet, disease, Everything put together, everything that we consider to be those daily hazards that are above and beyond tripping and falling down the stairs and hitting your head on something and, 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 and the cab window closing on your hand. Everything else that, that we, every, those little dangers that we face day to day have to be statistically put together and brought into a contract room and say, you know what, enough of this sick bullshit. You know, this is what our members are going through. You're treating our members like immature people who just get drunk on, on Friday after they get paid, and that's how you're protecting yourself and saying, okay, um, this is why they're off, and this is a pattern, and this, this, this old-fashioned shit's got to go. Right. Exactly. That's exactly what it is, old-fashioned, Joe. And another thing is, is, see, these statistics from around the country, New York City transit, New York City subway system is a unique system. Very unique. So, and our people here in New York City are very unique. So, so that's what I mean when I say other systems like, let's say, Cleveland or S Seattle, Washington out there. You know, the public out there, I would probably assume are more civilized than the people here in New York City. Well, you experience that as soon as you get out of the five boroughs. Exactly. Their people are the, more civilized. They, they speak. They, they say hello. Exactly. You know, it's, everything. Even when we go down south. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> My, the best part about going down south is the pit stops at the gas stations. Everybody talk. <laughs> yeah. Everybody friendly. <laughs> right. Only the BS is in New York. It's New York right. City. New York City. That's and right. And you go upstate, they're the same way. Mm -hmm. You go into the supermarket. Good morning. How you doing? Right. Hello. It's, on, it's, <laughs> it's only these five boroughs that's just... You know, no matter what, New York City is just a fast-paced town, and and you can't change it. So, like I said, statistics. You know, you got to be mindful of those statistics from elsewhere. You well, know? I mean, I'm not talking about maybe they have less stress, right? But if they're sitting in a bus seat, 
they're still going to have problems with circulation. Right. And they're still going to have problems with their knees and their hips and bouncing around. So those are like the statistics I'm really looking for. Transit statistics um, and not so much, you know, aggravation and spitting on. That's probably like something that's unique to us. Um, but but those, those other things are interesting to look into. Find out what ATU has. See if they've done any studies extensively as we want to. And some of the other unions, you know, out there. Not so much management. See, in some places, management have done it. But you also have outside agencies like NIOSH, NICOSH, PEF that have also done studies. And they have um, information to give us. And, you know, I want to start putting some of that stuff out to the membership to let them know that these are the things that you need to look into. This is the stuff that you expect your union to do, especially a union of our size. You know, that, 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 that you know, we have to make ourselves powerful is to get information, have information and use it when we need to. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and we're doing it or we're not doing it. But, but the, let the members decide by giving them that information and letting them know that, yes, this is available. Ergonomics, there's a science behind it. It's the science of working. And, and everything, everything around it is what makes us healthy or unhealthy. And when we say that transit workers die two years after they retire on average, well, that's a bit alarming. You know, I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want it to happen to any of us or in our union family. Um, so let's find out why that's happening. Didn't, didn't uh, Roger administration do some type of study? Well, this is where I learned it all. <laughs> I, actually, I got a copy of that study. Uh, um, a, on, a, on the two-year thing? Um, I forgot. They, they, they study um, high blood pressure, um, all types of stress that's related to the job. Yeah, whatever. whatever I, I found it online. We had we had a, um, a wonderful occupational health uh, specialist named Dr. Robin Gillespie, and she was doing a lot of experiments, um, statistic gathering, um, going out to members, testing members, questioning members, asking them, you know, how, how your knees, how you know, what do you do on a daily basis? Um, we we started going out into car equipment, um, Jamaica. Uh, Coney Island Overhaul, 207th Street, talking to members that work on a floor program, members that work under the, under the cars, on top of the cars, whatever, trying to find out what their, um, their maladies are, if they have any, and, uh, and add them to the statistics. And then we wanted to go from title to title or like titles to like titles, find out what's unique to them, and, um, and, and put it all together and then analyze that data and find out how can we fix this, how can we make it better. Yeah. And I'm surprised that there wasn't no extensive study like for train operators, carpool tunnel. You know, I, I believe that there's some, well, not eating during the job. Sometimes we work, don't even get a meal. Not that eating. That happened to me the other day. That happened to you the other day? That happened to me the other day. Because I was on the R the other day and a, um, something happened on the road. I think a train went BIE. And we ended up getting to 95th Street late. So that means we were leaving late to go back up. Mm-hmm. Of course, by the time we get back up, we don't have time to get anything to eat. You don't have time to get anything to eat, and then they're quick to say, you're in place for your next interval. See, now, the problem, the problem I have with that is that we say safety sensitive. They take you off that train if you're on certain medication. They'll take you off that train if, if uh, you say you got a headache. All these things... But they won't take you off that train if you didn't eat. So how safe how, how safe is 
how much safety sensitive do they really care? That's a good point. They don't. You know what I'm saying? Because we, all they care about is the movement now, of that train. Now the thing That's is, it. The thing is this. The Taylor Law, it don't apply to, to, to safety and health. Mm-hmm. You could do a job action if something is unsafe. You know what I'm saying? I feel that with us not having proper lunches, proper recovery time, that's unsafe. Because the first thing they say when you hit a signal or you do something crazy, you wasn't paying attention. Well, maybe I wasn't paying attention because I ain't eat. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Low, low blood sugar. <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe, yeah. I, maybe I didn't pay attention because, you know, I didn't nourish my body. I didn't, like I, like I said before on the show, those claim exemption forms, those no lunch forms, they not nutritious. <laughs> I don't care about those 30 minutes. That's you know right. what I'm saying? The day I get into an incident and I ain't having no lunch, well, why did this happen? I ain't eat. I ain't eat. I'm supposed to have lunch between my third and sixth hour. I didn't eat. That's absolutely correct. And it's true. And they'll throw you right back on that train in place. They don't care whether you had anything to eat, drink, or anything. Yeah. They don't care. Just move that train and now, let's get now it think, going. Think about how often that happens. You know what I'm saying? We not eating. Would you, would you suggest the pilot not to eat? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> would you would you suggest that? You wouldn't suggest that. You would make sure. Listen, before I get on the plane, I make sure I talk to the pilot. Hey, how you doing? Make sure his response is is snappy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Look at his eyes. Oh, everything good. I right, everything good. Yeah. You you ate? Yeah. <laughs> you know. What I'm well, Snickers bar. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have to eat just enough. You know what I'm saying? Not eat too much now. You know, because that's another problem that a lot of our members have to eat too much. Well, well, you know? the, the problem is this, too. We're eating too much. It's due to the, the job that we have. You want to golf down as much as you can because you may not know the next time you go eat while you're at work. Shoot, listen, I've seen and again, I, I think I told you this before. I've seen train operators pulling into the station. With the Chinese food styrofoam platter <laughs> on their, or right there next to the controller, <laughs> the master controller, and I kid you not. So that's why I said, Dad, these guys don't eat in the in the swing room or wherever but it is they eat. Let me tell you the new rule they got. We not allowed to have any liquids near the controller. Basically, we can't drink coffee, but you can't have it in the. Where you go? They want us to put our coffee and everything on the floor. Put what on the floor? You you could have near the controller, right? You could have something with a top that you could screw on, okay? But you can't have coffee or anything. People survive off coffee to stay up, right? Because you don't allow us to take a little nesting nap. You know what I'm saying? Right. In the terminal, so people look. Jamel drink coffee to come here. Yeah, well, I didn't. I didn't drink. I didn't. Drink, I, and I said, and yeah. I said, <laughs> I didn't drink. I didn't drink coffee today because I was well rested. But other than that, sometimes I drink coffee. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying though, a lot of people drink coffee to stay up at work. To stay up, yeah. Yeah. You could get the proper work. I mean, the proper sleep at home. But it's something about the movement of the trains, the rocking back and forth, that'll put you to sleep. Yeah. And yes, the heat that's, that's down there right now does not help. Oh yeah, that's, and that's it a, is cooking down and there. That's it's enough, a, and that's it's another cooking. thing. Oh, it's if it's, 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 if it's, it's ninety degrees above ground, it's at least yeah. hundred and twenty below. A, it's dry heat on that and platform. And it's hot. Now it's hot. let me tell you this: uh, a passenger fell on the platform, Atlantic Barclays, and it was in the news maybe like two weeks ago. Mm. She passed out. Now the MTA be like, oh, the trains, they uh, they 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 cool. What about that platform? 
And you're walking from a temperature difference of 72 degrees in some places, mm -hmm. like one of the hottest places out there, because we used to go around. Nelson Rivera and I used to go around with a laser gun, a heat gun, and check the um, terminals. And one of the hottest places is 71st and Continental, 118 yes. degrees. Oh, God. One time we were there. And it wasn't even the hottest day of the year. It was hot outside, but 118 degrees there. So this one woman, and we had system safety with us because we were trying to get the, the CTAs off the platform because they had CTAs running in and out of the car, cleaning the cars, going from 72 degrees to 118 degrees in one step, right? Um, and, and, and we were trying to make our case... System safety didn't even want to be on the on the platform. They kept they kept running into the dispatcher's office. We're like, where'd they go? <laughs> and um and, and and when we were making our case, this one poor lady, she walked out, train pulled in, might have been probably a, uh, an R train, pulled in, and she walked out and f and just face first, bang, right on the platform. Mm. As soon as that heat hit her, she probably wasn't feeling that well to begin with. But as soon as that hit her, bang, she just went right down. Then a, tra a train or two later, there's a woman throwing up into a plastic bag because she came out in that heat and got nauseous. Um, that, was, that was a problem. But you know what causes the problems? And they don't tell you? To prevent the, the water from flooding and rushing into the tunnels, they cement it over the vents. If you go up on, like, even just like, say, 71st Continental, if you go up at Queens Boulevard, you'll see the median that separates... I guess east and west. Okay. Right. You'll see the, the, the vents are cemented over. They, they're not capped. Like, you know, in some places you see them capped to stop the water from going down. They just cemented all the vents. There's no air can get out. Wow. wow. That's why it gets so hot and stifling. A place like 71st Continental, you got four tracks. Mm -hmm. Two of the tracks are, are terminals and two go straight through. But sometimes you'll have four trains sitting at the same time blowing out AC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? You have new yeah. tech blowing out AC from the top, old tech blowing out AC from the bottom. All that hot air coming out of the condenser. Mm -hmm. Heating that place up like crazy and the air's got nowhere mm -hmm. to go. And not mm -hmm. to mention the, uh, the new Wi-Fi systems that they got emitting heat in all, all throughout these stations. Those things emit a lot of heat also. Mm -hmm. Them big Wi-Fi things they got. And, and what they don't under, what transit not understanding is this. Yes, the trains are cool. They very cool for the most part. But when there's a delay and people is on that platform in 110 degrees, yep. what the hell, what you expect? Exactly. Because yeah. oh, even when I, like I, I take a comfort at 57th, if that's where my Q train is, is terminating at. And I walk, as soon as I walk outside the train, I'd be like, how the hell do these passengers stay on this platform? It is stifling. And by the time you get to where you need to go at the other end, you sweating like you ran a marathon. Yeah, it's, it's like you be dripping sweat. It's bad on those it's platforms. Horrible. It's, bad. it's horrible. It's bad on those platforms. So imagine if you do that all day long when you have to get off the train and walk down. Yeah. And then you got to walk back. It's Oh, it's yeah. disgusting. Wow, these this two hours went by kind of quick. Disgusting. Again. Yeah, sure did. <laughs> As went usual. By, went by kind of quick. Joe, you know the you know the routine. What you want to lead the people with, man? Mate, we, we, oh matter of fact, look, we not gonna be here next week. Next week next week is me and Jamel's birthday. His birthday is the uh twenty second. Mine is the twenty third. So we go take a break a week. And we go come back. We will tell you who we will come back with, but we'll tell y'all next week. Right. And, and, and it'll give it'll give everybody time to catch up on all the shows that they didn't get a chance to listen to. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, Joe, what you want to leave the people with? We probably want you back 
the week after next. We'll tell you who coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's my pleasure. Um, I just, I don't want to talk too much. Everyone gets tired of hearing me, I guess, right? Samuelson and them get tired of me. <laughs> I just, I just want to say that, you know, don't, the members should not cut themselves short or, or feel that, you know, they're less deserving than they are. This is contract time, and we have every right to be, for lack of a better word, greedy about what we want. Um, this is the time to get it more than any other time, and it's the union's responsibility to listen to us. When I talk about improvements in discipline, quality of life, above and beyond raises, other things, quality of life, this is the time to go after it, and we have to expect our union's going to um, respect our wishes and listen to us. Joe always leave us with something nice and positive to look forward to. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yes, it's your turn. Oh, my turn? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, okay, I want to say that we have to fight for what we want. For those of you out there that don't know, I am the author of those open letters. The dear TWUs and the dear, the dear family letters and all the open letters. I write that because that's my way of expressing myself. When I write, my pen has no filter. I'm gonna give you exactly what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. And I write from the point of view of not just myself, but other people that feel the same way that I do. I have taken a break from my writing to deal with this two Broadway stuff, but I'm back. So there'll be some other things that will be posted soon. But I just want to say that progressive action is something new that has never been experienced before. And for some people, may be afraid of it. And there are some people that should be afraid of it. Because it's time for change and we have to fight for what we believe in. We work hard for MTA. MTA has to give us our due because I feel like we do not get our just due and it's not fair. So we have to let our voices be heard and we need to take advantage of this platform and use it so that they know that we are here and we are gonna fight them to the end to get what we deserve. That was beautiful. Yeah. That was beautiful. Well, what you gotta say, Kyle? All right, I, I wanna piggyback off of what the both of them said, off of what Joe and Ramina said because again uh, it's contract time now and basically what I want I always say that it's redundant when it comes out of my mouth and basically I want to empower all the members who listen and everybody that this is our work the MTA is the employer New York City Transit is our employer but it's not a private organization you have people who run the you have people who run the MTA who are put there temporarily. There's always somebody there that's temporary. But us, our jobs here, we're here for 25 years. Okay. So my thing is, um, when it comes down to what we deserve in our contract and what we deserve as far as our working conditions, it's not supposed to be a tough fight, but it is. But it's not supposed to be a tough fight. But what can make that fight go through easier is if everybody has to become empowered 
and everybody want, has to want to stand up and not be scared. Because basically that's what's going on. The membership is scared. They're scared to stand up to the status quo of Samuelson and the crew and everybody. But like I said, this is the only way that we're going to accomplish and we're going to get what we want is if we stand up and get empowered. And if getting empowered means going to union meetings, if getting empowered means um, coming up to progressive action, if, if getting empowered means picking up the um, contract and reading it, if getting empowered means doing the research, then so be it. But basically, that's what we need to do in order to get what we want and in order to improve our conditions here on the job. That's all I got to say. But y'all know what I'm going to say. Progressiveaction.info, Progressive Action on Instagram, Progressive Act on Twitter. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, our guests, for coming out. We appreciate it. Everybody have a good night. All right, Peace. have a good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everyone.